Welcome to Gathering Ministries podcast. We pray you will enjoy God's presence as you listen. You know, when I was laying out how we were going to do a study of the mind, I had no idea how much this was going to line up with what's going on in our world today. We're going to talk about how God completely changed the neural paths in Saul's mind. And Saul then became Paul. You changed my name. And I want to look at this tonight. It's um, pretty amazing what Paul goes through to reach the place where he gets to ultimately. And, you know, that one phrase in that line says, from too far gone to save by grace. And um, Paul the terrorist wrote, for by grace you are saved through faith. Imagine that. We have watched the news over the past couple of weeks. And we have been horrified. We have just been horrified. And rightfully so. And those of us who know what the Bible says about us being part of Israel recognize that is us. I was doing a little bit of study because I've had many people ask me about what's going on with Israel. And the, when God told Moses, I'm going to make you a kingdom and a nation, that word nation is not a country. That word nation is ethos, which actually means I'm going to make you a race of people that are called by my name. And we are all part of that race because we've accepted Jesus Christ. And we are called Christians. And so that is what God was telling Moses. And then in Romans, Paul tells us very clearly that we are grafted in to Israel. And we are now part of Israel, which is an amazing thing to think about. So you say, well, what does that mean, God's chosen people? We are God's chosen people. So nobody better mess with us, or they're going to have to deal with God. But, Saul um, was a terrorist, and we're going to read about that right now. And any of us would look at any of the terrorists right now, and in our human mind, in our human mind, we would say they're too far gone, right? And I will be the first to tell you, I was hoping every one of them would drop dead by a bomb. But, but, since I've been studying this, I've been praying for their salvation instead. 
because Paul, who was a terrorist, ended up giving us half the New Testament. And all of those verses that get us through some very difficult times were written by Paul. But you see, his mind was to destroy Christians. That was his neuropaths. That was his way of thinking. That was all he knew. That was all he knew. That was all he knew. That was all he knew to, oh no, I am now going to go to the Gentiles and share the love of Christ with them. How's that for transforming your mind? There's a reason he said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. He was speaking from personal experience. He was not just writing some, something on the paper. He lived that. But I want to start with Acts chapter 7. We're going to look at, start with verse 54. Okay. Stephen had, uh, earlier, Stephen had been given his testimony. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against Saul. It says against them, but Saul was included in that. Stephen was praying for the terrorist. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. Okay, so now we see a little bit of who Saul is. Go over to chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. But we just heard people saying, we got to kill all the Jews just this week, right? There's Paul, okay? But look, he went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if you found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, okay? We're not worried about the women and children here, men or women. He might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Okay, so now Paul is getting the authorities to write the letters for him. Okay? And there you have it. But then look what happens. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. 
he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Okay, a few things. The light from heaven. You know, let's start praying that as those bombs are coming as lights from heaven, people will call out to Jesus. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing if all of this brought a revival? We think we're going to get rid of Hamas by killing everybody. How about if we got rid of Hamas because there was a huge revival? He said, why are, who are you, Lord? Now, what kind of question is that? Who are you, Lord? He already knows who it is. Saul has a come-to-Jesus moment right there. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Okay? And he said, I'm Jesus. You already know, but I'm going to confirm it. I'm Jesus. Okay. So now we'll go to chapter 22, or verse 22 of the same chapter. Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Look what happens. The power of God comes into Paul's life And Paul thought he was so powerful as a terrorist, but now when the Holy Spirit comes on him, he's more and more and more powerful. How do you like that? Don't tell me the Holy Spirit has to put up with anything these silly people are doing in the Middle East. The power of the Holy Spirit is far greater than any power any man has. Praise the Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, sweep through Israel. Sweep through Gaza. Sweep through the West Bank. Sweep through Iran. Sweep through Turkey. Oh, let's have a good old-fashioned revival. Amen. Yeah. Paul grew more powerful because of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now let's look at 23 through 31. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. (laughs) Look at that. But Paul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on him on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers followed took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. You know, I was reading this, and I thought, I wonder if that was Paul's idea. Because he was such a student of Scripture, 
And he had to remember clear back when the walls of Jericho fell and the spies were hiding and Rahab lowered them in a basket on the other side of the wall. Remember that? He said, oh, I know how God can deliver me. Get a basket. We'll just do the same thing that they did years ago. You know, God doesn't change. Isn't that good to know? Yeah. I think that was Paul's idea. He said, just go get a basket. I'll show you what to do. It's in the Old Testament. You know, I know none of you know the Old Testament. I know the Old Testament now. Let me tell you. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Hmm. Not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Look, I want you to see something very amazing here. This is very, very exciting, okay? Why is Saul accepted? Because Barnabas, Barnabas did not shun him. You see, we get people that come into our gatherings, whether it's our church or this Bible study. Oh, dear God, let the most horrible people come here and find out that they are loved and loved and loved beyond anything they could ever imagine. You see, we need to understand we do not need to clean them up. God will do that. But, you know, really, I have to honestly say, I don't know how I would respond if a Hamas um, terrorist showed up at this door right now and said, I don't want to hurt any of you. I don't know what I'd say. I want to believe that I would say, come in, Jesus loves you. I might run down the hall saying, Jesus loves you, I'll see you later. I don't know what I would do. Oh, dear God, transform our minds so that when we see the horrible evil in this world, we know they need Jesus and that we are not ready to condemn them. Oh, how quick we are to condemn people, aren't we? But how about Barnabas? You see, Barnabas had a choice to make. He could have lived upside down where he went by his emotions and then made his choice and what he thought about later. Clear back to the beginning of our study. But Barnabas was living right side up. And he had allowed God to transform his mind so that he made the right choices. And he's telling all of them, look, I'm telling you, he had an encounter with Jesus. He touched him. And he is no longer the same. Right. 
something for all of us to really think about. And, you know, especially right now, because everyone in this room, we really want to destroy what's going on to Israel. You know, and, but we're going about it the wrong way. Second Corinthians 10.5, what does it say? Does anybody know? Second Corinthians 10.5 says this. It says, our weapons are not carnal. They're not manly. No, but they are powerful, and they are able to destroy strongholds. Our weapons do not come from man. They come from God. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if you have somebody too far gone. I don't know if you're giving up on people because they are just they are just too far gone. You're tired of praying for them. They've done it again. Here we go again. I can't stand this anymore. I'm done. Right? That's your human mind. Transform my mind. Transform my mind. And one of these times, you're going to see when you use the weapons of God, which are powerful, that you're going to see things start changing in your life. Yeah, powerful. Now we go over to Acts chapter 11. Okay? Acts chapter 11. Verses 22 through 26. Okay. News reached Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done. Let me say that again what the grace of God had done. Oh, grace that is greater than all my sin. Look at that. Paul is seeing the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. That word heart there is the same as heart we talked about a couple weeks ago, which really means the inner man, your soul. Okay? He was a good man, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and brought a great number of people to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Boy, I know we talk about Paul all the time. And Paul was a great man of God. I'm going to tell you, we need to be talking about Barnabas. Because Barnabas really encouraged Paul. You know, when we get to heaven, we're thinking Paul's crown's going to be so big. I think Barnabas is going to be just a little bit bigger. I don't know, but that's just what I think. 
And a lot of you, I have to be honest with you, a lot of you really encourage me a lot. And you think, oh, she's doing this or she's doing that. I'm not doing it. But I have to tell you, I'm looking at a lot of Barnabases in this room right now. I really am. And it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, we all need a Barnabas in our life, don't we? Yeah, we all need to. But you know what's even more exciting? Listen to what I'm going to say to you. How wonderful would it be if we get to be the Barnabas in someone else's life? How wonderful would that? It's wonderful when we have a Barnabas. But how about if we leave here determined we're going to be a Barnabas to somebody else? Yeah. You see, Barnabas really joins Saul. Then we look at chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Chapter 13. Now the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manian, um, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Okay? You're with me there, right? Then Saul, verse 9, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, you are a child of the devil. Okay, Paul now is starting his ministry. Paul is in training with Barnabas. And he saw Paul's getting ready to start a huge ministry here on his own because we're going to see Barnabas' leaves. And guess what? His name is no longer Saul. It's Paul. You changed my name. And boy, is this a picture of Paul from too far gone to terrace to saved by grace. And now I am no long, um, forever changed, all because you changed my name. Yeah, he's now Paul. Okay, you're with me, right? All right, now, let's go to verse, uh, chap, Acts 15. You can read in, in between here, Paul's doing some amazing work with Barnabas, and then he goes off on his own for a while. And um, we're now back in Acts 15, and he's at the council in Jerusalem. And we're to 36 through 41. Now look what happens. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark, Paul chose Silas. Okay, let's talk about that just for a minute. 
Here's a disagreement with Paul and Barnabas over Mark. Now, if you know anything about Mark, Mark's mom was the one that had all these prayer meetings in her house. Okay? Mark's mom, according to the scripture, was affluent. She was doing a lot of the support of Jesus' ministry. Okay? So Mark grew up the privileged child. All right? Yeah, he was the child that got the bicycle for Christmas. All right? He was the child that got his own bathroom. All right? That's Mark. He's got his own little thing going on here. Well, Mark now wants to join Paul and Barnabas, but he can't hang hang with it, and he takes off. He leaves them. He deserts them. Okay? Paul says, I'm done with them. That old neuropath came back where I'm not gonna I'm not interested in people who disagree with me. But Barnabas encouraged Mark in the same exact way he encouraged Paul. Isn't that beautiful picture of Barnabas, how he said, no, 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 I know he made a mistake, I know he messed up, but he deserves to be restored just like you did, Paul. I'm sure this is the discussion they're having. Why is grace okay for you and mercy okay for you, but it's not okay for Mark? Come on, Paul, get with the program. And Paul's like, I'm not messing around here. I'll just take Silas. Now listen, you might be in this kind of a struggle here with with other people, okay? That's all right. God can still use you because we're going to see God keeps right on using Paul, but he's still working with Paul. He is still saying, Paul, I am using you in a mighty way, but we've got some work to do, Paul. We've got some work to do. I'm still using you, but we have some work to do. Okay? And then let's go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is the basis of most of this study. I want you to see this is Paul writing this, okay? I urge you, brothers, okay, listen. In the view of God's mercy. Because God has forgiven you and he has not punished you when you deserved it. You know what mercy is, right? Grace and mercy, we've talked about it many times. Grace is God giving me what I don't deserve. Mercy is God keeping me from getting what I do deserve. And Paul's saying, you know what? You all deserved all this, but in view that God did not destroy you, present your bodies as living sacrifices. How many of us have really presented our lives as living sacrifices to God? Is it easy to, be, to present them as long as nothing else is interfering with it? But if it's going to interfere with it, ah... Uh, 
I can't do that right now. No, we present our bodies as living sacrifices. That's just what we do. Okay? Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's how you worship God. Oh, the songs are beautiful, and yes, we raise our hands, and yes, we bow before him, but all of that comes because we have already presented our bodies as living sacrifices. It is not instead of. I am going to do whatever I think I want to do. I'm going to live however I want. My mind does not need to be transformed. It can stay exactly like it is, but I'll make sure I get to church on Sunday and say hallelujah and go home. No. Present your bodies as living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right, Paul writes this. Isn't that amazing? Paul says, okay, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because 2 Timothy 4.11, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, okay? Paul says this. He's writing to Timothy. Let's go to start with nine. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas has, because Demas loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Get Mark and bring him with you. Why? Because he is helpful to me in my ministry. How do you like that? How's that for transforming your mind? Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Don't you love that? Yes. That's so beautiful. Paul's mind has been renewed. Get Mark, because he's useful to me in my ministry. Then Paul goes on into jail, and he writes Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon from jail. Okay, this is amazing to me, because when you look those up, you know what he's saying? God is amazing. I pray that you will have a glimpse of how wonderful God is. And then he says, the God of all the universe, to him be glory and honor. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is God almighty. He is immortal God. He is the greatest thing there ever was. He's writing all of this from prison. You know why? Because his mind's already been transformed. His mind, his circumstances no longer dictate what he thinks about this world or about God. It is established forever that God is great and he is God and God forever. And my circumstances do not determine who I am or who God is. 
Then he goes on and he says, you know what? All of us, all of us, in him we move and live and have our being. And everything that was, everything that is, and everything that ever will be was created by God for him forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. Then he says this. You know, God loves us so much we can never escape it. I am sitting here in prison. And the prison he was sitting in, let me tell you, was not a nice jail with the TV and the gyms and all of that. The prison he was in was, had a ceiling about this high, okay? And so you had to scoop down all the time to even walk in it. And the horrible thing is the city sewer flowed right through that prison. And Paul's saying, do you know how much God loves us? He loves us so much. And then he goes on and he says, greater is he that's in me than it's in the world. Do you know how victorious I am because I am in Christ Jesus? And he finishes by saying to him who is king of kings and lord of lords, this is the God that I serve now and forevermore. He had his mind renewed. I don't know if you think you're too far gone. I don't know what you've all done. I don't really care. I really don't care, neither does God, to be honest with you, because he's forgotten about it. You might not have, but God's already forgotten about it. I don't know where your kids are. I don't know where your family is. I don't know where your friends is. I don't know what's going on, but I have some good news for you. God can renew your mind and transform your life forever. And it starts by saying, behold, Jehovah. He's seated on the throne. Abba, Father, the well that overflows. Yeah. You see, victory has a name, and it's Jesus. That's what Paul said. You can look these up when you get home. It says, redemption has a name. It's Jesus. The word has a name, and it's Jesus. Victory has a name, and it's Jesus. Listen, Paul got to the place where he was able to see Jesus and only Jesus. Yeah. He went from a terrorist trying to kill Christians to a man who said, all I want is Jesus. He said, everything I've ever done, any good I've ever done, anything that's ever happened to me, I count it all as lost. Just to know Jesus. Oh, let's start tonight with our worship before him. Behold Jehovah seated on the throne.
Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune into other broadcasts at Gather in Ministries.